Welcome to episode 42 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave and Jengas, and we are hosted on geekade.com. What's your geek? So it's been a while because Jengas and I have just been dropping the ball. <laughs> hey, you know, it's best not to dwell on it and just move forward. We, <laughs> we've been dropping the ball. It's been tough between just holidays and birthdays and all sorts of things that go on in our lives personally for us to sit down and just sort of have the time to cast. But here we are, our loyal listener. <laughs> we are. True believer. <laughs> we, are, we are back and we got a veritable crap ton to talk about. We're going to be all over the place in this episode. And we're going to try and give it some sort of a small Halloween flair. Look out for the 31 days of Halloween on GeekAid.com. It's true. Which we'll you're probably gonna see be in like the first week. So yeah, there's several so, more weeks worth of Halloween goodness ahead. Yes, and that and that's our excuse for just dipping lightly into the Halloween this year. That we're in the beginning of October, so you only need the 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 small taste. You don't need the the full um, the bag of course. candy corn or that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going for once again that Halloween. See, gotta gotta dip in the Halloween. Oh, you're right. You you're right. That, I'm sorry. You gotta get that. Gotta get that flavor in there. That full witch's brew. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm burning in the background right now. You can see. Oh, I'm gonna. Uh, they can't see it, but I can see it. I know. Um, gotta love when I describe visual things ambiguously to an audio, in uh, you know, an audio audience. Audio it's audience. Audio say that audience. five times. Mm-hmm. Say that five times fast. Audio, audio audience. audience, 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 audience. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so where do you want to start? I mean, there's a lot of stuff. You know, I like hate to like. Uh, we're not going to return to form. We're not going to return to form. We're I'm not, not going to talk about Magic the Gathering. Instead, I'm going to start on something completely random that doesn't even have to do with gaming because Ooh. that's more custom to our new podcast, which is still called You Shall Not Pass Go, but which is secretly called Jangus and Dave Talk About Shit, <laughs> which also is sometimes related to board games and stuff which, like which that. Which all has a board game and and TCG and uh, RPG flavor. Um, but yeah. Just in terms of like media news, I'm gonna go see Joker on Sunday. Ooh. That's Halloweeny. It is Halloweeny. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. But I, 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 I admit, I'll admit, I have a little bit of anxiety. Yeah, but that's my. Uh, it's a funny story. My brother actually saw it today. Yeah. Um And uh, it's it's partially my fault because of something I said previously. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he you told him about the warnings. I did. Yeah, and he was not able to focus on the movie because uh, he was because too worried it. about other people. Correct. Yeah, uh, uh, the, you know, it was just like a whole thing. Was it uh, Yusuf or Amir? Amir. Okay. Yeah, uh, he went with his uh, girlfriend and uh, just yeah, like I said, he said he wants to see it again, but uh, when he's able to be more, you know, in the moment. But uh, yeah, I was, had a fr- uh, actually a student. Student of mine posted something on Facebook that said something similar. Like he he know he knows he enjoyed the movie, but like it definitely made it to where he was. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry about what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely made it to where uh, you know it was definitely distracting to him because he, he's like the it was palpable in the theater that people were on edge. Of course. And I was like, yeah, I hope I don't feel that way on Sunday. I feel like Sunday, hopefully, I feel far enough removed to where I'll be like, all right, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward so to seeing that. You know, I mean, that's that seems like a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely gets that Halloween juice flowing. And of course, like, you know, that Batman stuff. Uh, and then what else? There's something else major. Oh, man. I'm also super excited for 
the more they talk about the crisis crossover, the moment they announced that Tom Welling was coming back, <laughs> I, I saw just that. I, I was like, I immediately thought of you. <laughs> <laughs> I flipped out. I was just like, I can't believe they actually did it. Like I was so, I was so disappointed when they had that crossover last year and. When they got to Smallville, they had the Remy Zero Save Me playing. And I, I was like, oh, did they do it? Did they do it? And then they didn't do it. And I was like, oh, that's a shame. And now they actually did it. And I'm super excited. Nice. Um, I was actually shocked to see that. I don't know, did you see Michael Rosenbaum's uh, comments about it? No. All these fans asked him. They were like, hey, man, like, uh, you know, you're coming back for the a cameo. You're going to be Lex. You're going to be Lex. Hey, you're coming back. And essentially, he wrote out a long reply, which the gist of it was like they called him on a like Friday when he was in a like visiting his like elderly or sick grandmother in like a nursing home or hospital Ooh. or something. And they called him and the offer was no script, no idea what he was doing, didn't know like how long they would need him said it wasn't much money that they were offering and he was just like okay pass like you know i mean mean? obviously that's like that's a no-brainer to an actor you know right and i I get it and and like i said as an actor i totally get it would i have wanted him on of course but like at the same time like i'm like did they offer everybody those deals like that were they just like oh we don't know what you're gonna what we're gonna do with your character we don't have a script or anything we just kind of want you there can you show up i'm kind (laughs) of surprised like they didn't go through like his agents like is he not like a part of an agency like wouldn't they go through them and not? i mean i think i'm sure that was the offer delivered to him from his agent you know what i mean like it it, well i don't don't know if he heard that directly i don't know if that was a direct interaction but i'm sure that 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 was the gist of the offer the offer was that they had no idea how they were going to use them and they had no idea how long they were going to need them and they weren't going to pay him much money and he was just like (laughs) no like forget it and i totally get that but it would have been cool to see him on there it would have been jumping around like a maniac here with all these different tangents i mean that also brings up the fact that you know in the time i think in the time since we've not casted sony and marvel had a breakup and got back together (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that the funny thing true. about that the the greatest thing about that that situation is the moment it happened i like everybody i had students panicking friends panicking and i kept telling people i was like it's gonna fix itself i was like it's just it's too lucrative of a business deal for both parties for that not to fix itself and i know it took some tom holland uh finagling supposedly to get it back together oh, i believe it but I just, I just knew. I was like, "There's just no way Sony's gonna chance, you know, you know messing he, up that big Marvel deal right now." Especially because, like, I'm, I'm sorry, Feige, he can put up those, he can put up those, those, those BDE Disney monies, and he can, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, he can, yeah. he, he has the numbers, and Sony would be, it would be idiots to just be like, "We're just gonna distance ourselves again after they've, after they've." After all that money they made on Spider-Man Far From mm-hmm. Home, like it, it's it was it was dumb. I, I mean, think it was it just was, all a ploy for them to get out the fact that they were going to do all sorts of other things. I mean, like I think it was bad on both parts. I mean, both of them seem like they, you know, Disney really wasn't putting up forth like there was like very little negotiation. It was really more like each one was like, "I want it my way," or "There's or it's the highway." Right. And like you know, from a business point of view, I get it. You know, like. Obviously, you want something that will benefit you as a company, you know, especially while you still hold on to this property. Like you feel like you're Sony, you have a bit of power in the negotiation because you're like, I have this thing. You want it. Let's, you know, let's figure this out. 
uh, and they just couldn't see it. And like, honestly, to me, I was not as broken up about it because I was like, I've been burned before, you know, like <laughs> as long as Sony has had Spider-Man, I've been, you know, I've been on the emotional roller coaster of like what they're doing with this franchise. And like, right. it's like at this point, I was like, it could, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, like, sure. <laughs> um, but it's nice. I'm glad, you know, I want more, you know, I want more from, you know, especially Tom Holland's just such a great Spider-Man. Like, he is. It's, you know, I want to see him grow in the character more. You know, Me too. I would, I and want, also the fact, I would hate that they, like, they just brought back J. Joe to Jameson. Like, uh-huh. let's, let's, let's get it. Let's leave it. <laughs> but uh, Good for I, J.K. Simmons. Uh, he's, he's so iconic in that, you know. I know. He's a great actor. He deserves, you know, he deserves the, he deserves the Oscars he's won. Like, cause yeah. he's, <laughs> he's fantastic. Um, so. Speaking of Halloween and uh, costuming and getting dressed up, you just went to New York Comic Con. I did. Uh, as we record this on Friday, uh, I went to. Uh, so uh, earlier in the week, uh, I had given myself, you know, as personally because like I don't take vacations, so I was like, I have a bunch of, you know, personal time saved up at work. So I was like, I'm gonna, and so sometimes during the end of the year. Uh, I know it's like I have like six days. I'm like, mm, I can give myself like three day weekends, four day weekends. So I gave myself a four day weekend. I took Friday and Monday off. I thought to myself, I didn't even realize, I didn't even remember it was New York Comic Con weekend until like midway through the week. And I was like, hell, let me see how much a ticket is. And like it was sold out on New York Comic Con's website, but the the vendor, they the third party they use for like reselling, mm-hmm. uh, it was like a $10 it's ten dollars more. And I was like, you know what? Fine, that's fine. So I bought the ticket, you know, for Friday. I was like, okay, let's do this. <clears throat> so I go in. Uh, so I didn't want to be there in the very beginning, beginning because I knew that was going to be hell, like to get mm-hmm. it. So I I end up leaving at like uh, eleven thirty from here. It takes about an hour to get into the city. Don't want to be an overachiever like the old days, Jengis, <laughs> where we used to get there at five in the morning and wait online. Oh my and- god. No, yeah. I can't. The dark, the dark days. <laughs> it's not so much dark days. We were young. We had the energy. You know, we our bodies. No, but it was also the dark days. That was before yeah. they got their ish together, and they oh, didn't know true. how to handle crowds or mm-hmm. how to create lines. But that's not here or there. You can still don't think they know how to handle crowds. But anyways, yeah. um, but uh, you know, went to got there at like twelve uh, thirty. Went to will call. Was able to pick up my ticket, no problem. Walk mm-hmm. right in. Uh you know, and uh, so I mean, ultimately, I went because uh, there's a, a web comic that I enjoy called uh, uh, Barbarous, um, which is like a fantasy, a modern fantasy web comic uh, done by a pair. Uh, uh, let me just look it up real quick so I can credit them because really they were honestly the only reason I went. Uh, otherwise, I probably would have just skipped it. Um, but. Uh, the website is johnnywander.com. I'll put it in the notes. And it's Yuko Oda Draws and N.F. Hirsch Writes. They're both local. They live in Brooklyn. Um, and they're really wonderful people. Every time I've met them, they've always been wonderful people. So I went there, uh, you know, got <clears throat> got some merch from them. And then, like, that was really all the buying I wanted to do. Obviously, New York Comic Con is one of those cons where you go because you want to buy something or you want to go to a panel. Um because literally vendors everywhere, you know, the expo hall, 
was chock full of like, you know, comics, books, you know, memorabilia, you know, all the things you would expect from a comic con. It really hasn't mm-hmm. changed since the days we went. Mm-hmm. Um, Artist Alley is in a different area, but I mean, that's, you know, that is. It's been that way for a while now, though. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I think they've they've outgrown that Javits Center. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, technically, no, because there's more Javits Center. Like, they don't use the full Javits Center. Um, Like, they could always expand. I don't know why they don't. Money. They would... It would have They're to cleaning be. up. They're cleaning up. Are you kidding me? Every year they I mean, charge they, more money. It's, it's like we could make more money if we use less space. <laughs> That's why they don't they don't use the annex anymore for Artist Alley. It's now it's now it's underneath uh the expo hall is Artist mm. Alley. Um but you know, um it was packed. It was still packed. I mean it's Friday. Uh but uh, all in all, I think I got I got what I wanted out of it. Like I got my Comic Con experience. As I always say, I got my Comic Con experience. I don't have to go for a couple more years, you know, unless they do something really crazy and drastic. There was like a couple panels I would have wanted to see, but uh, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, uh, my body wasn't really having it. Like, because uh, I'm just far more out of shape than I should be. Uh, so like my my knees were. My knees were yelling. My shins were killing me. And I, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? There's really old not man like Jengis having a old, tough time. Old man Jengis. Uh, and there's not really like a place to sit and like, you know, take the load off for a bit. That, um, that's That's been my biggest issue. Like the crazy part about that is, right? So like when I proposed to Bevan, the whole reason I proposed to her at New York Comic Con way back in the day was at uh, 2011. Con 2011 is when I proposed. And... The whole reason I did it there was I gave like gearing up like, okay, so like we had known kind of by that point that we were probably going to get married. It was just more of like a matter of like when and then at that point, like when was I going to propose, right? I had this opportunity in California at one point. We went to like also some like pumpkin patch. I thought about doing it there. But the whole reason I didn't do it at these places and I told Bevan because Bevan had even like guessed it. She was like, you know, hey, were you going to propose at, at such and such place? And I was like, well, I was thinking about it. She's like, and you didn't? I was like, no, because like when I propose, I want it to be like at a place we 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 can come back to at a place, you know, we can come back to. And uh, and at that point, we had been going to con like every year religiously. Like it was, you know, it was like a holiday for us. Right. Like that mm-hmm. was that was it was it was it was spiritual. So we. I got to con and in my little speech that I made, I remember I did, I don't remember the whole thing, but I remember like I was down on one knee and, but before I got down there, I I like, I was like talking her up and I'm saying all this stuff. And then I'm like, you know, the best part about Comic-Con, she's like, what? I'm like, it's a place we can return to. And then I got down on one knee. Well, the fact is, is since that time, I think we've gone and that was, that was 2011 that I proposed. Mm -hmm. So it's now 2019 in seven years. I think we've been back to con twice. That's it. That's it. Maybe once. I think it was twice. But like my point being is like the whole reason and I did it there was to return, but I just I I mean, A, it's hard to take off the time to go, but B, the tickets got more expensive for less time. Like there's like I don't I think they they did they bring back four day passes this year? Yes, they did. Okay. Well, well I they mean go, they up go until, quick. 
<laughs> up until this year, though, like four day passes when when last year they didn't have any four day passes. It was you buy single days only, and I was like, okay. But even more so than that, they got rid of the VIP passes, the passes that yeah. you know got you the cool lounge that you could sit down in, that you could mm-hmm. take a load off in, that if the con day got too much and the crowd was too big, you had a place to go. That's why I proposed. I proposed in the VIP lounge. So it's just like I just didn't – I just – it's hard for me to justify the purchase to begin with and even harder when I know that like the ticket isn't going to afford me any amenities that are going to make it easy on me throughout the day. Like I'm just going to be exhausted and beat – and I'm probably not going to get in the panels I want to get into mm-hmm, unless mm-hmm. unless I dedicate my whole day to that. And then I'm pretty much missing con. And it's just like, well, what am I really paying for? Right. Like, yeah. you know, the system is just in a way where I just don't have I don't have the fight, the drive or the stamina stamina to be like to be that fan anymore. Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's hard to be that fan. Yeah, I understand. I mean, that's why I like PAX is more now. That's why I like PAX is always going to be. I will always go to PAX East. I will always go to PAX Unplugged. Because, like, to me, those are, like, I can get that con experience, but then I can also, if I need to, I can go somewhere, play, like, a, a board game demo, sit down, take a load off, like, you know, right. relax more, you know. Speaking uh, of which, plus, did you... Well, go ahead, no. I was going to say, especially because Comic-Con... Like I said, there's not a lot of things to do, per se. It's really right. just more like things to buy. Which right. for people who enjoy that kind of stuff, this it's it's their, you know, that that's great for them. But and also, for, that, I, I'm going to point out that that was, that was not always the case. I know. Back in the day when you and I used to go with, you know, Bevan and the crew, it was like they had Magic the Gathering tournaments. Wizards had a strong presence. Like, you mm-hmm. could play Magic all weekend if you wanted and, and enter all these ridiculous tournaments and win foil sheets and, you know, shit like that. And then they had, you know, they had D&D mods running constantly and they had board games going up and demos and stuff. And now it's, it's like you said, it's mostly vendors. Hell, the other day we were reminiscing about the time that the Boffer crew had that whole giant space and held a Boffer tournament. Yeah. I can't imagine them giving that space to a little low time little you know boff weapon company right uh-huh 100% what were you going to say uh other uh, you were going to say something oh i was just going to say when but despite despite that entire rant did you see any interesting up and coming board games or anything or anything of that nature while walking the con floor or was it just literally all retail um a lot of retail a lot of there's some video games like Bandai Namco was there they were showing off like the Kakarot game um, they they were showing off like there's like a little Monster Hunter thing that Yu Gi Oh Duel Links booth was still there. You know they have that little Yu Gi Oh booth that like is there every year, still yep. there. Um, there was like Capcom had a thing. I, I posted a picture on my Instagram, but it's like they have like this giant like huge arcade cabinet you could play. But like mm. I said, it's it's all really just video games, video games, TV. And a lot of anime, honestly. There's a ton of anime there. Well, um, didn't they get rid of the anime fest? It's it's also the it's back. Um, but also there's more. I forgot to mention, like this year's Comic Con. I don't know if they've done this previously. I haven't been following, but they split up a lot of it into different buildings too. Like mm-hmm. there's like another whole anime annex, like in like the dock, like the harbor area. Um, right. and that's the thing. Um. Uh, yeah, uh, no board games, really. Nothing like that. It just seems no. exhausting. 
I mean, more so than like normal. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's I just I miss the old con experience. I remember there's just like, oh, man, con of yesteryear. I remember walking in with <laughs> VIP passes on like a Thursday when Thursday were for VIP and press only. Mm-hmm. And that was the best day. That was the day you bought merch. Thursday yeah. Thursday was the day like you bought your shit. Thursdays and Sundays. Sundays because there were discounts, but Thursdays because there was just nobody on the floor. Because it was like you could walk, you could breathe, you could talk to people. Like it was crazy how sparse <laughs> people, the Javits Center was. You people know? weren't exhausted because it was the you know they've already been there for you know two full days of like working and night right and and it, i remember like all the freebies too man i remember when the high chew company came it was like when they were just trying to get their start here in america they were giving out free full packs of high chew yeah i think bevan and i took like 40 of those things we just kept coming back and just grabbing more balls we're like do you mind if we take more like no nah, no nah, vip like just keep it coming spread the we, word we were like we, all right we definitely enjoyed the era of good swag from cons and yeah. that 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 era has long since passed. Like. Yeah, I know, man. Like it was we like I just oh, man, I, I have so many con stories. I mean, like I remember there was this uh, this is both our Halloween edition and our Comic-Con edition of U.S. Strong Pass Go. <laughs> but I remember some of my greatest memories of con. I'm sure you have some, too. But like one of them, I remember was that first con um, I went to with Evan and you were supposed to come, but you had a stomach ache. She decided to sit it out. I was so <laughs> upset and you missed so much. But it was like, I remember it was like, it was like, yeah, it was like five o'clock in the morning and I came into Booton to pick Evan up. Um, and we rolled over to the park and ride um, and got over to the Javits Center. And this was when, this is when Comic-Con at that time, it was the third Comic-Con in New York since it had returned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember it was in February at the time. And so it was like (laughs) blistering cold. And I remember um, Evan and I were like out there at five o'clock in the morning and we were so, so cold that eventually we decided we were just going to like sneak inside. I think (laughs) it might have even been like the second day, like the first day we didn't. But like the second day, we're like, we're just not going to do this again. But we ended up we ended up like. Not even sneaking. We just saw an entrance to the Javits Center that was open that was like nowhere near where the Comic-Con supposedly was. People were going in and out and there was nobody guarding the doors. So we just in we went. And then we realized like we were like we were in the cafeteria space right by what is now the IGN theater. Like that Um, big downstairs theater where all the big main events go. There's like a there's that food court down there. Yeah. We were in that food court space and we're just sitting there keeping warm and just like geeking out about comics and movies and TV and talking about all the cool panels we're going to see. Um, that was in the days where you could like just go into a panel. It was no big deal. There weren't, there weren't really lines. And then like <laughs> lines didn't get capped and like, right? you know. <laughs> and then, and then like, if you wanted to just sit there, you could sit there and stay there the whole time and just see like the next eight panels and no one would boot you. Yeah, or they, clear didn't, the room, they didn't clear sir. the main, uh, the main stage. <laughs> That's crazy. But I remember just like, we're sitting there and, and probably one of the best moments was Wes Craven walked by and it was just <laughs> so funny. Because I was just like, I just remember looking at Evan and being like, is that Wes Craven? I think that's Wes Craven. And I don't remember if it was him or me, but like one of us just called out loud and we were just like, hey, you're Wes Craven. And he was like, yes, I am. And just kept walking. And we were like, cool, cool. 
And like, uh, like I just remember just being like, oh, that was just like he was just walking around. Like there he is. There he um, is. and that was like my first like real con moment. And then from there, like I just remember, God, I remember so many other neat things about con. I remember you dancing up on the stage when they had yep. that like dance demo. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember play, you and I playing magic in those tournaments and, and that, and that was awesome. I remember the boffing thing. I remember, like I said, all of the swag. Yeah. Um, so much swag. I just, I remember just all of these great things, the D and D campaigns. I think we played like some like tip of the iceberg four E when it first came out, like mm-hmm. at comic con, it was like it was like just fresh off the presses. Like here's what four E is gonna be, and we we tested it out there and got like alternate art minis at the time, and it was just man, great, great time, great time. But you know, like I said, we we definitely enjoyed the uh, golden years. It really was. It was the golden years of going. I mean, now it's like you know, a lot of people say now is the golden years because like the geek culture is so mainstream. That like you know it's it's more uh, acceptable to go, but like you know maybe. But I feel like the what made it great then was the the limited number of people. Like Saturday was always busy. Yeah. Saturday Saturday con was the busy day. You knew going that like that was going to be the big end, mm-hmm. but it was never like so busy. Oh, and of course, who could forget the best the best con moment, which was the second year I went, which was in college. Was you know it was my sophomore year when me and the gamers association decided to make up our own paper that didn't exist and went through like a lengthy we went through a lengthy process of forgery between like creating a website that looked like it had been around for a while promoting articles um, fake newspaper clippings from a newspaper that didn't exist like oh all and, like logos and I just remember like and I can't remember we we snagged press badges especially now when like we're having trouble snagging press badges as geek aid an actual legitimate thing yeah you know what I mean like I mean, it's 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 just crazy to me like and we got in everywhere with those press badges i remember the the main stage would be was booked and we were like press they were like oh yeah right this way right this way <laughs> oh jesus that was great oh yeah you guys times. ever want to go if you ever want to go as press always we could, we could always go to press the uh, packs you know i tried that i didn't get well didn't that's get because you didn't do it right <laughs> I did do it right. I just didn't get a bit. Uh, Anyway, dumb. <laughs> um, dumb. But uh, yeah, man. Pa- uh, you know, near Comic Con. Uh, you know, if if you've never been, go go at least once. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Hundred you know, percent. It's an experience uh, worth doing. Yeah, but I will say, like, especially if, if you go- live if in you- the tri-state area. Because yeah, it's- and if yeah. and if you're if you're gonna go, like, realize that uh, in all honesty, you should you should. You should go two days because if there's a day, you know, you're going to want to see something. Expect that the majority of your day is going to be you trying to get to see that thing. Whereas like you need another day just to absorb the floor because getting into panels now are just like it is unless unless it's like a podunk panel for like something nobody knows about. But if you're going for something big, if there's a brand name being shown at a panel, like you're going to have to spend your day trying to worm your way into that panel. Yeah. That's pretty much what it, what it, what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it's crazy is that we so a few sets of magic have come out since the time we talked last and. The first one is the new commander set, which oh yeah, I'm not that far back. 
<laughs> I mean, that was just two months ago, but we just we skipped a month of casting, so we didn't talk we about did. it. We All did. right, ready? One, two, three. It's great. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's good. Definitely yeah. good. I I like once again, I like the fact that we're no longer beholden to certain like colors or wedges and stuff. They're just sort of making mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I, I think Commander gets a lot of love. I think especially right now with Throne of Eldraine, which also just came out, um, Throne of Eldraine has like hard Commander love in there. They've got the I was brawl say, decks. They had, and, they had literally like a brawl specific like cards like that they printed. market like this is for brawl slash Commander. <laughs> exactly. So the recognizable. But let's just talk about when it comes to magic, there's really only one detail that we were that we're definitely going to talk about right now. And that's the return of Garuk Wildspeaker. <laughs> I, I, I'm a little like, you know, I wouldn't say embarrassed, but like I haven't been following the lore of Eldraine. I know there's like the whole thing. Um, I mean, I, have, I never follow the lore. I always. Yeah, but, you know, I, I generally do for the previous sets. But like this one, I just haven't. Uh, and the know. one time you didn't, your boy came back. I know. <laughs> but uh, there he is. Garrick Cursed Huntsman. Yeah, He's, read him off. He's green black. Uh, he's uh, four colorless, uh, one black, one green. Uh, he is a zero uh, loyalty ability. Is create two, uh, two, two, two <laughs> black and green wolf creature tokens. With when this creature dies, put a loyalty counter on each each Garuk you control. Each. Not just not just him. Uh, and then he has a minus three, which is destroy target creature, draw a card, and a minus six, you get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus three, plus three, and have trample, aka overrun. Um, yeah, yep, uh, yep. which is great because so he's like a he's like a Garuk tribal enabler, and like his abilities, uh, specifically work well in you know a black green deck like he's perfect you know the only thing is he's a little uh he's a little expensive but you know as a green deck i think you'll be able to make it work (laughs) i mean we can just we can just say this right now like with the moment that card was spoiled uh our entire friend group was like oh look it's the jangus card (laughs) (laughs) it's the card he's wanted his entire life oh man it's a garuk lord (laughs) Because we didn't know if Garg was coming back. He didn't come back for, uh, whatchamacallit. Um, but, it, I mean, it makes sense. He's the Huntsman. He is the Huntsman. It's true. Right? Like, the Throne of Eldraine, the whole point of the set is, which, I, you know, I think is great. And if I, I actually really love the set. Um, I love the theme of it. It's the, good the, the cards are, are okay. But, yeah, the flavor of it being fairy tales and folklore is fantastic. And the idea of Garuk being like the huntsman of like, you know, the Brothers Grimm type stories is just is is great. Um and I and I can actually I'm I'm happy to say I actually did play with some Throne of Eldraine. Oh yeah, because um, it's on Arena for the past it, week. It, it is. And last at last week, as well as this week actually, um last week was a practice round of of a of a a tournament they're calling play every card or play any deck is what it's called. And it allows you to create, um, if you enter it, you can enter, you get one entry and you play 12 games. And once the 12 games are over, you're done. But for those 12 games, you can make 
you have a play set of every card in current arena standard to, to play from. So you don't have to have them crafted. You don't have to pull them a pack. You can literally play any deck. So I got to test a lot of um, new cards from Throne of Eldraine through that. But this weekend, they're running that same tournament. You can enter it one time. And if you go 12-0, and 0, you cool. win one copy of every card in Arena Standard right now. That's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. And if you go 11-0, you win, I believe, one of every card in Throne of Eldraine. That's not so. Bad. Yeah, so I mean, I would love to. I, I wanted to see what I would do. So the, actually, the first deck I ended up playing with, I took a sort of pre-made constructed deck that I had seen on one of the basic MTG sites. Like you know, it was either Fireball or it, like Channel Fireball or, or um, possibly a TCG player. It was, it was you know one of the one of the randos that are the the big names of the Magic the Gathering websites. And it was a actually a uh, Golgari deck, but it didn't it didn't run Garuk. It's it's actually it was interesting. The main cards of the deck, and they're they're decent cards. I like to point them out. Um, Questing Beast was one of them. Yeah, you run a playset of that. It's that that card's crazy. I it's, mean, it's so four, much. Four, <laughs> right, four four for four green uh, I mean, vigilance death I mean, touch haste. Right there, a four four for four. That's already like decent value. Right. And then everything else is just sugar on top. Like. Right. And there's a lot of sugar. This is a mythic. It's got, it's a legendary creature, but it's got vigilance, death touch, and haste. It can't be blocked by creatures with power of two or less. Combat damage that would be dealt to creatures you control uh, can't be pre- dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. And whenever it deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target planeswalker that player controls. That is a ridiculous card. So. Um, also, I love looking at Return of the Wild Speaker right next to it because I feel like that card is just like that's you in a helmet right there. <laughs> <laughs> just like the the idea that oh the curse is broken. I guess in the lore he breaks the curse, even though yes. he's the cursed huntsman. Finally, look at, <laughs> look at that. I mean, it literally says right there, the curse is broken. That's the smile on his face. Return of the Wild Speaker. Well, that's go, nice. I have to go read the lore now. I have to figure out why this is happening. Like. <laughs> Who cares? There it is. I mean, I card. He did I want to know why. I want to know he why did it, it man. <laughs> what does that card even do? Curse the Wild Speaker instant for five. Draw cards equal to the greatest power among non-human creatures you control. Wow. Non-human creatures you control get plus three, plus three until end of turn. That's a card you should use in Yeah. Uh, if I make, if I, well, I was going to say, if I make a Garak deck, like a deck specifically for like beasts. Oh, and that'd like, be great yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so the deck I was talking about, yeah, it runs Questing Beast. Um, another staple of the deck is the Great Henge, another green card. It's a legendary artifact, and it's seven mana plus two green, um, so nine in total. But it costs X less to cast, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Very green flavor. Um, you can tap it to add two green mana and gain two green life. And whenever a non-token green creature enters the battlefield under your control, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it and draw a card. So it gives extra power and card advantage and supplies mana and the crazy thing about it is that you can play it on turn four because if you look in the black cards there is this like ridiculous dinosaur i think it's from throne of eldraine i guess it's not there's a dinosaur in standard right now i don't know what it's from because i think ixalan rotated out but there is a dinosaur in standard currently that is a three drop seven six creature that says you just have to, on your upkeep, you have to discard a card. Um, so you essentially play that on turn three, which then therefore 
um, puts the Great Henge into a two mana costing zone. So on turn four, you can play it for two mana. And then you get that two mana back immediately because the artifact itself taps for two and gets you two life. So you essentially play the Great Henge for like free on on the fourth turn. Um, and it's, I played uh, that deck. What's up? It's Rotting Regisaur from M20. There it is. Rodging, yeah, Rotting Register. And I was right, right? Seven, seven, yep. six? Seven, six. Just card a card in your upkeep? Yep. Yep. So, yeah, so the idea is you play Great Henge for essentially essentially for free. And now you've got, like, these powerhouse creatures coming out. You get card advantage from drawing. You're going to pull cards like Questing Beast, more of the Hedgesaur. And it's just, like, it's just a big, whammy Golgari deck. Um, I played it. I went... I like I said, you only have twelve games. Win or lose, you get a full twelve. Um, so I, the first two games I played with that deck, I lost the first one and won the second one. And I played against two opponents that were running the exact same deck. So clearly, everybody had the same idea I did. And instantly, I started to hate the deck just because a, I was like, if I'm not winning a hundred percent with this deck, I don't want to play this deck. And b, you know me, I'm like the hipster of Magic the Gathering. Like, God forbid I play the mainstream deck that everybody plays. Like, I like to I like to be like, no, there's got to be a way for me to make a deck on my own that's better than all these decks that all these people that play Magic a lot more harder and longer than I do have figured out to play. Like, I got to know the meta better, even though I know nothing about the meta. Like, you know what I mean? I just, I just rage against it. Um, so I ended up actually creating a mill deck. And it was uh, black and blue. And let me tell you, it worked out well. I ended up doing like I I think I won like four or five of the games out of those uh like out of the nine that I had left, so about half with a mill deck. Um but though if there's one thing I really, really appreciate about this set and one thing I would really love to tap into more, it's adventures. I think decks that run just pure creatures that have adventures are going to be huge Mm -hmm. because having adventures on your creatures, it's like two cards in one. You get your instants and sorceries and you get your creatures at the same time and you can play both. And the crazy thing is, is like there's a lot of really good cards. Um, Brazen Borrower, a blue card. It's a fairy rogue instant adventure for two. You can return a target non-land permanent owner controls to their hand. And what adventure does is once you play the adventure, um, they go off on the adventure so to speak so you exile the card and then you can cast it the creature version of the card from exile oh i was gonna ask (laughs) yes so so essentially so brazen borrow for instance if you use the petty theft adventure you pay two it's an instant so you return target non-land permanent uh, and opponent controls to uh to its head to its owner's hand it then exiles itself, and then immediately upon exiling, if you have three mana, which is the creature's casting's cost, you can play it because it has flash. Um, but even if you didn't have flash on your turn, you could still play it from exile as a creature. It has flash flying, um, and it can only block creatures with flying, but it's a 3-1. But these adventures are incredible. It's like there's there's a kill spell creature adventure and that card is just, in my opinion, great. <laughs> it may be a little bit, like, whatever, uh, expensive, but it's the Murderous Rider. He's, too, he's as a creature, it, both both the adventure and the creature are two black and one one colorless, but the it's an instant destroy target creature or planeswalker, you lose two life. Yeah. It's called Swift End. And then when he comes back in, he's a lifelink 2-3 that when he dies, he goes to the bottom of the owner's library. So he, he's going to recur and go back into the deck if he goes to the... Um, 
if he dies from the field. You're going to get that two life you spent back if you can swing with him with that lifelink. And, and at worst, you're losing two life to destroy any creature or planeswalker. Just no holds bar. You're getting rid of it. That card is just great. But like, this is what I'm saying. Like, looking at these adventures, I, and the more I was playing with them, the more I was like, I can't see, or I, I should say, I can see a time where someone is going to create a full adventure deck just based off of the fact that they don't necessarily need, they, that you have the utility to run. Like, if you have four creatures with adventure in your hand, you essentially have eight cards in your hand, mm-hmm. like to play, right? Because you can choose either or. Um, but for my mill deck, I like, for instance, I was using Merfolk Secret Keeper. It's a one drop. It has adventure for, for one as well. It's blue. It's a sorcery. Target player mills four. And then it can come back in as a zero four, which is just a great card. Another that's, great card. That's from great the set. Like, that's great value. It's great value. Another great card from the set, uh, Magic Mirror. Um, it's a legendary artifact. <laughs> it's normally nine but it costs one less for each instant and sorcery card in the graveyard, which adventure cards count. So you have no maximum hand size of when you play it. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you put a knowledge counter on the mirror and then draw a card for each knowledge counter on the mirror. So your hand size gets progressively bigger. And if you're playing all these adventure creatures, you're going to end up having a whole bunch of instants and sorceries in your graveyard. Anyway, they literally have a counter creature hypnotic Sprite. It has, um, a better version of a cancel on it because well I guess no less less better but it's still it's still it's a it's good kind of target spell with converted mana cost of three or less but you only have to pay one blue instead of two blue and then you pay two colorless but then it's also a two one flying creature like it's it's great like I love the adventure I love the concept of it I love the look of it I especially love the alternate art in that stupid deluxe edition that they have <laughs> um the collector's edition like oh god that's so dumb um but anyway we should talk about that Jengis talk you about the collector's talk, edition you want to talk about that okay talk about so it. talk about how excited we were thinking that there was going to be another uh what was the other uh mythic edition Talk about how excited we were when we thought that was going to be a mythic edition with a full art Garuk that you and I were going to nab for you. And then so, we found out what the real deal was. <laughs> so um, Wizards of the Coast had the bright idea that they were going to make something called Throne of Eldraine Deluxe Collection. Um, and you're like, oh, that's cool. I mean, maybe it's like, you know, a booster box. Maybe it's not. Um, it contains 16 boosters, you know, collector's boosters, you know, they're special. They, you get a binder, uh, the foil Garak borderless card, uh, an art print of Garak, uh, a non-full version of the BioBox promo, a one three by three card strip from a foil sheet of Throne of Eldraine, and uh, a code which grants you from some MTG Arena stuff. But I mean, like uh, the real kicker is that it's four hundred and fifty dollars. For the booster box, yep. <laughs> Which is insane to spend. Right? <laughs> like for six for what is essentially sixteen boosters. Like yep. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't care if it's like I mean, yes, it's alternate art that you only get in this, but it's still like it's it's still like crazy. I mean I like, will say the alternate art for the adventure cards. Is, they're gorgeous. 
They're absolutely gorgeous. You can see them on the on the Magic the Gathering website when, when on we, the Cartilage uh, Gallery. When we post the link, you'll see um, there's like a yeah. filigree around each one, and it's like you know, it gives you that you know fairy tale look. Yeah, and the, but even the artwork is significantly different and uh, very much. Uh, it's beautiful. The artwork is like beautiful. Like even look at. We were just talking about Brazen Borrower. If you look at the Brazen Borrower regular and then the Brazen Borrower like collector's edition, it's incredible how different the art is and how much better it looks with not only the border, but just the 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 way they, they drew and painted the fairy itself is just so magnificent. Um it it's I'm I'm like I am in love with the artwork of this set. And I know that that's always been like a huge thing for Magic the Gathering, but I got to say like a lot of sets go by and I'm like, okay, the artwork's fine or it's okay or it's good. But like something about this set, the fairy tale set and specifically the, the, you know, collector's edition of that there, it's just beautiful. It is just really, really beautiful. I would love to have those adventure cards, even if I'm never going to use them. I would just love to have them for purposes of just the artwork. Um, They're just, they're just stunning. Fun fact, sold out. <laughs> oh, what the deluxe edition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or collector's edition, whatever it is. Oh, Jesus, it's mm-hmm. fine. I mean, like I said, I wasn't gonna buy it. I don't have that kind of money. I don't. I can't. I can't afford to waste four hundred something dollars on a set that I might not make money back on. Like yeah. I was willing to do it with Mythic Edition because did we talk about that on here? We did. You did make okay. money back. Like you. So yeah, we made the money back. Made a profit, in fact. I mean, that was the big thing. That was crazy. Um, and you got a nice card out of it, and I, I got some nice cards out of it, and it worked out. But it's just like <sighs> wizards. What are they wizards. thinking? Hasbro. You know what they're thinking. You know what Hasbro's mm. thinking. Money, 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 money. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of which, did you see? Did you see them? Uh, the uh, um, uh, the which one call it crossover? My Little Pony. My Little Pony. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made a joke in like a Discord. I was in like, who come at me with my Alicorn Tribal deck with my uh, with my Commander Twilight Sparkle. <laughs> like I was, I was laughing so hard. I was looking at it, and I'm just like, I can't believe they've got yeah, they've got Rarity, Nightmare Moon, and uh, on the back Princess Luna, and then Princess Twilight Sparkle. Yep. Which the one thing that really bothers me about Princess Twilight Sparkle, and I know this sounds ridiculous that I'm even taking this even remotely seriously right now, but like, let's say you have a casual group and let's say you do want to run an EDH deck and you do want to have Princess Twilight Sparkle as your commander. You'll never be able to use her actual ability no, because you they won't. didn't make the other, they didn't make the other ponies. They didn't make any of them. <laughs> Actually, they made Rarity. That's true. You've got one of them, but yeah, so it, it essentially just says, which it doesn't make any sense anyway. The ability is one of each colored mana, and it's if you control Applejack, Fluttershy, Pinkie Pie, Rainbow Dash, and Rarity, every pony wins the game. Every pony. Every pony. But still, every pony will never win the game because they didn't make the other cards. But the borders are like actually cute as cute as anything. And I gotta say that like... If I had disposable income, I would definitely donate 
for the cause and and collect these ridiculous looking my little uh, my little pony cards. The art's great. Like- and I'm not and I'm not even a brony and I would do that. Yeah, I mean, Extra Life is a really great charity, and, like, I think it's, it would be worthy of, you know. Yeah. If we had the money. (laughs) But I think while we're on the topic of uh, ridiculous things. Yeah. Go for it. It's time to talk about the Feast of Legends. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) So, Wendy's came out with their own Dungeons and Dragons style d20 rpg and like you'd think to yourself okay but is it like cheesy and it no it is a 97 near 100 page rule book with an included adventure that is literally it, like someone took the time to make it like it was made it was made like, design the more you exactly like the more you read it the more you think at some point it's going to be clear that this isn't playable and that this is a joke no No, like no this is a playable tabletop game playable game with with a playable game in which you get (laughs) boons for your characters buffs for per day for stats if you're eating wendy's items while playing the game literally French fries gain you plus one to your intelligence for a day. That's and good. the thing is, I'm pretty sure when they say per day, it's not like in game day. It's like the day of the whole game. When you're like playing, out, if you're eating French fries, you get a buff. Exactly. <laughs> and you get debuffs for eating non Wendy's foods. <laughs> If you're eating frozen burger joints, if you're eating pizza, if you're uh, if you're getting a sub or gas station food, fried chicken, tacos, or any snackies, includes chips and stuff, you get debuffs, which is crazy town because food is such a big part of D and D. So I, I I would just like I am I am so down to run the adventure that's in this book. Like, I am so down. I don't know if, like, our friend group's actually bothered to read it, but if you're reading it, don't read the adventure on the off chance we ever run it. But, man, oh, man, it is ridiculous. I was looking at the map. sheets. Yeah, it's got got a map of Beef's Keep, the realm of Beef's Keep, which include the Top Bun Mountains (laughs) and the Roast Beach. Oh, I just uh... can't. The game starts in the capital city of Freshtovia. That's right. And the and for your right character, by the French fry forest. That's right. And for your character, so they just essentially they made it very simple. Your character's um class, race, everything background is all um based on an order and which order you come from. There's like the general orders are the order of the chicken, the order of the beef and the order of uh, the sides. And then under each of those orders are sub orders like under the order of the chicken. The first one is the order of the spicy chicken sandwich, which is probably one of the orders I would consider considering I love Wendy's spicy chicken sandwiches. Um, but it tells you what your base defense would be, your HP bonuses, what type of like skills you get. Now, mind you, it only goes to level five because the adventure is only supposed to take you to level five. But it's just like I did just the more I read it, 
the more I'm shocked that like a game designer had to sit down and make this it's true. Like, or several game designers. In fact, if I go back to the cover, I'm not just any game designers, specifically the people who are known as, let's see here. Where's the, is it in the front here? Yes. Here we go. Uh, no, it's not there. I don't think they have a credit. Uh, I wonder if it's at the very end. Hold on. on the website. I'm going to go to the very, very end. Because honestly, the fact that I know there's not one in the end no, either. It's just, it's just mysterious. Someone the made fact, this. The fact that they paid, <laughs> they paid one or more people to game design a legitimate D20 RPG based around Wendy's made up lore, like just pure Wendy's items retail. They made an RPG for retail is crazy to me it's for so many distinct. reasons. <laughs> it's it, what's crazy from it's what's crazy about this whole situation. It's like not only was someone paid, but, but like they chose to do it. Yeah. Like they, they was the, is there a mark? Uh, is geekdom really that that high on the totem pole that a mass market chain like Wendy's decided that this was going to be a good marketing tool? I mean, think about it. It was. Everyone was talking about it. Critical Role did a one shot for it because on their on their Twitch channel that did they really tens using, of thousands using, yes, using the adventure. Yes. Oh. Did you watch it? I didn't watch it. No. Okay. But um, like you know. Yeah, this worked. Like, you know, like, yeah, of course it worked. That's like, crazy. You got, That's like, cr- major news publications talking about it. Like, you know. Like, literally, there's a, the order of chicken nuggets is represented by a, like, a treasure chest full of, full of nugs. That's right. Like, I just can't. With Here's big sauce on the side. And then there's, of course, like, what Jengis is going to play when we do the one <laughs> the shot. order of the beef. Order I'm of the Baconator. Or, order, look at the look at the dude who they have for the Order of the Baconator and tell me that's not the every character of Jengis. The dude is wielding about eight different weapons, one of which is a, like a war hammer. He's got like, it looks like he's got bull horns coming out of his back. He's smeared in tattoos. He's, he's, he's shirtless. He's, he's jacked out of his mind. He's got long hair. He's got braids and locks. Giant awesome boots. A huge belt. This is the every Jengis character. <laughs> you are the order of the Baconator, if nothing else. I mean, you know, I like... The order of the Dave's double, though, because you're allowed the to double perform, stack. You're allowed the, to perform oh, two Dave's actions double. per turn, which yeah. is pretty cool. Um, Did you check out the every character of Jengis <laughs> on the double stack? Uh, yes, I've seen it. He, I, I mean, they paid someone to do art for this too. Like, there's I like no. <laughs> Look at I the hope, frosty. Order hope, the frosty. She's yeah. summoning a frosty with magic. <laughs> oh wait, hold on. Listen to this. Uh, order the double stack, double stack down. It's time to layeth the double stack down on some jabronis. <laughs> I think that's what it's I would rock. be. Yeah. I think that's what I would be. It is the rock. <laughs> this attack hits all enemies current on adjacent squares to you. Current on adjacent squares to you. A successful attack roll. So it's a, a giant cleave. 
They take 48 plus 4 damage on a unsuccessful attack while they take 44 damage. I mean, it's, the, it's their capstone ability. Of course, it's going right. to do a ton of damage. But wow. The double and It can only be used once down. between meals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The fatter you are, the better you're, you're going to be at this game. Just from the amount of meals you can eat. What was the order? I don't oh, know man. what the order of the spicy chicken sandwich. What was their big ability? Unending heat. A sphere of white and blue flame engulfs an area in a 30-foot radius in all directions. All characters within that area must make a strength saving throw of 13 or higher or take 4d6 plus 4 heat damage. On a successful, they take half. Skill can only be used once between each meal. Yeah. Wow. I like that uh, also order of the double stack gets uh, from World of Warcraft. Uh the 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 war, fury warrior ability where you can wield two two handers because yep. that's they they have two beef patties as a passive at level one which is you can dually wield any weapons that don't require two hands. <laughs> yep. Don't forget about make it a double. You're allowed to perform two actions of a return. Yes. That was that. Yeah. Plus Anyways. up combo. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. This is, this is pretty wild. I mean, I'm gonna obviously put a link for it. Check it out. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. They even put a dice roller on the site. They don't need dice. It's like yep. <laughs> they're making sure you can do it. They give you a quick start guide and everything, and literally character sheets you can print out. And 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 a built-in and, adventure. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, there's a built-in module with with a built-in monster manual. There is literally a with monster manual maps. at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> like they made this. Yes, they actually made this. Oh, it is crazy. The name of like the episode, they actually the, made this. <laughs> this is, it's, it's insane to me. Like, the more I read it, I just can't. Because it's like, I'm reading some of it, and it's like, oh, man, the Ice Jester. Jesus. Ugh, we all know who the Ice Jester is. <laughs> I wonder who. Yeah, right. That clown. Yeah, right. <laughs> Literally the playhouse. It's like a McDonald's. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Try not to. I mean, if you obviously you want to be running through it, don't spoil it for yourself. But like, God, it is just hilarious to see what they have done. And like the, there's like dialogue. There's like legitimate dialogue that goes down. Like just a random here, randomly from the adventure. It says there are two ways out of this room: the way you came in, and the stairwell op- on the opposite side. The stairs are five feet across. As the party walks down them, the walls slowly transition from being frosted over to being covered in the thick sheets of ice. A glacial wallpaper uh, guiding your descent into the frozen abyss. The torches light your way just enough so you don't trip, but they're not completely. They don't completely reveal your destination. After what seems like a few hundred feet of stairs with some light uh, winding, you reach a room with another hallway and a balcony attached to it like literally they've they wrote a D mod for yeah. wendy's god it's crazy it's impressive also i love the fact that um you know one of the places is called nuggeton <laughs> <laughs> i want to visit nuggeton <laughs> Things that might attack the beef bandit. I wonder who that could be. Hamburger, maybe. Maybe. Uh, it really seems like all the villains are McDonald's franchise. <laughs> right. Hunger, which I guess is. I don't know what hunger is, but Grumble has to be the Grimace, right? Of course. 
grumble, the large fry fiend, regular fire frame, Pang. No idea what Pang is. Beef Bandit, a buffed Beef Bandit, and the Freesta, and the Mucho Pan Extra Bun, the Frozen Mimic Meal, Freezy the Frozen Bird, the Frieza Gorgon, <laughs> <laughs> Constable Bon Freeze, the Ice Gesture, the Mimic Meal. Oh, Jesus, Ooh. a Mimic Meal. Ooh. I mean, don't spoil it for yourself, but I'm reading the Ice Chester's abilities. It's, he's rough. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you spoiling it for yourself? What if we run it? Now you're gonna know. It's just his abilities. That's my cue. He can teleport. Jesus. Bicycle karate, glacier music, ice spice, ice over, cryo crisis. Wow. Ice to meet you. Swings up <laughs> bat made of frozen beef at his opponents. <laughs> Doing 2d12 plus two ice damage. Anyway, we'll we'll stop gawking at this. For enough to continue on, but God, I I just they made it. They literally made it, and mm-hmm. I'm 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 in awe. I'm impressed. I'm happy because it's just it's the right amount of ridiculousness. It's it's wild, man. Absolutely wild. Um. Yeah. So yeah. Moving on, get a little bit of that uh that halloween flavor if that wasn't enough dressing your <laughs> D&D game up like wendy's which is enough of i think of a costume if you will um but talking about some halloween flavor here it's true i kind of dug the, i figured like we could month. maybe talk about what are some things that you've either added over the years to your games or think games that you've been in that you've like recognized as like giving you fear we talked about like scariest encounters i think once before i remember mentioning the dragon that we fought that phil Mm -hmm. had kind of blasted down on us but what are some of like just like real horror stuff that you've either included read or just sort of had like i have in front of me right now just as a reminder to myself i took out the three five book of vile darkness and just everything about this book i was reading it and i was like man they really just did like they took the worst things they could think of and put them in here it's true um um well, personally, you know, I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't like horror, um, especially, uh, you know, most of the games we play really haven't like dealt with like the horror thing. I mean, like, obviously we played the, uh, that one shot, you know, the, uh, that we released oh so while ago, which yes, uh, if you're looking for more of that Halloween flavor, go back one year in our podcasts and we'll check out our Halloween one shot. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I recommend it. Um, but like part of that, like the, uh, like the thing, you know, like it's, well, one, a really important thing is setting up the mood. Obviously, if you want like that atmosphere, you have to provide some ambiance for it. So oh, of dark, course, you know, dark mood lighting, if you can help it, music, uh, music. Yep. Uh, maybe occasional, like, you know, if you've got like sound effects, like throw some things in there. Um, you know, uh, I like that when you when you ran it, like there are parts of it where something would show up and then it'd be gone. And like, you know, you have a, you have a way of like presenting like things in a creepy kind of way. That also, <laughs> especially with that, especially with the, the especially with the doll, like there's like oh, a, yeah. it was it was a good, you know, it was good <clears throat> presentation. Uh, personally, I mean, like, you know, uh, I know that my, 
my group is going to be doing descent into Avernus. Um, so like, I want to like put some like, Oh yeah, you're in, you're in D and D hell. So like, you should probably feel like you're in hell. Um, but it's really more like a biblical hell. So it's not scary per se. It's more like, you know, things are, things are, you know, it sucks to be here. Like, <laughs> Um, but also, in all fairness, it's not like. <sighs> uh, all right. So spoiler alert, right? Like, it's not like where they're staying was a city in Faroon. Yeah. It's not like they're in like, l- like they're in hell, but they're not like. They're not on the lower layers. They're in Avernus, which is like the first and like. And also, (laughs) while in Avernus, they're in a city that was, it wasn't a hell city. It's just, it was up and now it's not. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know. But I would definitely want to put, like, things that are, like, I'm going to try to put in some imagery that is, like, you know, uh, at least unsettling. You know, especially because the fact that this is, like, the, the battleground of the blood war between devils and demons. So like, you know, having like a giant demon just like, you know, pop out, start eating like the heads of like devils and like being like really descriptive, like, you know, the blood, you know, gushes out and like, you know, the, the you know, all that jazz, like trying mm-hmm. to like be trying to give them because I think that's what really because, you know, my my crew's a bunch of like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're a motley crew so i think they're really i'm not going to be able to like scare anyone but i'm definitely gonna i'm gonna try to like make like paint a picture an unsettling picture which sure. in, a, in a way is is horror you know yeah uh uh that's what i'm gonna try to do what, i mean I- for for me it's just like i just not so much what I'm going to do because I'm not really presenting anything in the near future that I think I'm going to need to. Well, no, depending on where our group gets to in current in in the Waterdeep adventure will depend on what, you know, what that outcome is. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I just remember, like, I remember the Aegis Guardians in college. I sent you guys to Alabaltor's house. And I tried to make that place really freaking creepy. Remember Alabaltor, her house? Oh, man. Might have been too long ago for me to remember. It was like, it, so it was like, Aula was like, um, <laughs> I had my inspiration for Alabaltor was actually came from, I think her name was, her name might have been Aura in the Dot Hack series. Mm. Um, like the mysterious figure that like, you know, uh, kite was always looking for and like, you know, we didn't know who she was, if she was real or not, or AI or what her total mm-hmm. deal was. But anyway, I, I, she was like my, she was like a ghost and like her song. I used the song of Baldur's Gate from Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, the, And that song is just haunting in and of itself. But it was like, you know, um, I used that as sort of like the ambiance and background for the story of her ghost. And I remember I sent you all to her house, which was outside of Baldur's Gate. And you went into the basement and like you eventually discovered through like investigating each portion of the house 
that Aula had been like severely abused in her life yeah. um, by, I think it was like by her father and by just people in general. Um, um, she's just been, you know, uh, like Oh wait, really- I do remember that now. And then, yeah. And then like when you eventually made your way into the basement, like I remember I had like, I would use the, I always loved using the room of angel soundtrack for like those really creepy moments. Mm-hmm. If you remember room of angel from uh it was a silent hill song. Um, I would throw that on and I remember I sent you into the basement and I had, I described it as the walls themselves were covered in like human flesh yeah. and they would like randomly pulsate and bleed and then in the center of the room on a pillar was um, uh, Sirik's book. And it was clear that, like, the reason her father was as insane as he was is because he had had this book and had possibly even tried to read Sirik's book, which just looking upon the book would drive a mortal, if not to kill them, would drive them, like, insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know... I just remember, but like the idea of like this, like pulsating gross room and you were all, you all had that look where, as I was describing it, where between the music and everything else, you guys were like a little on the, on edge. <laughs> it was not a pleasant, a pleasant mental sight and it wasn't yeah. a pleasant place to be. Um, but it's moments like that, that I really think, you know, do great in games. I'm a big fan of horror and I like to, I like, I oh, like I playing horror games. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I uh, and I like running horror games. I really do. I I like being descriptive with them. Um, but sometimes I feel like I'm not as creative enough. Like I'm not as depraved as some other people, and I don't have that type of imagination. Which is uh, I mean, I, I can definitely think of some like you know, I can think of some fucked up shit, but maybe not as much as like, not as creatively as others can. And like, just for instance, right here in the Book of Vile Darkness. I'm looking at a picture here of the Despoiler of Flesh, which is a uh, staff made of human tongues and mouths. And the description of it is that uh, these tongues are slightly animated, so the staff occasionally bends and curls of its own volition. The Despoiler of Flesh has been in the possession of a particularly twisted and powerful uh, Nalfeshni named... uh, Tafion that lives in a place called the Fortress of Indifference. It has also been in the hands of a mortal despot named uh, Malthassan, a human in love with his two daughters. But Ugh. rather than force himself upon them, he used the despoiler of flesh to reshape captives and slaves into their likeness oh, and that he might have his way with them instead. Oh, that's so and, bad. Right? And it's like, it says this artifact allows the wielder to reshape the flesh of any creature as with the polymorph other spell, except that. Uh, any shape that the wielder can imagine can be bestowed, whether a creature actually exists in that form or not. If the form that is bestowed is unwieldy or unst- or uh, untenable, or that it was created without careful forethought, the creature simply dies. For example, the wielder could change the form of a wolf into that of a human known to them. Uh, they could folk. Uh, they could then use it use it again to give the human purplish and black skin and tentacles for arms. If they attempted uh, also to give the victim six spider legs and bat like wings, enough to carry them aloft, the form would simply collapse under its own weight and a pile of fleshy goo. Ugh. I don't know, but like that's uh, what I'm saying. Like uh, that was that's that's some that's some messed up crap. Like I just yeah. don't know. I just don't think like I mean that's like. 
me personally, especially after like, you know, in light of like, uh, events that happened, uh, over the, over the summer, like, you know, there's a, there's a line that you should talk to your players about, like whether they're comfortable crossing it or not, because I think you could do horror without crossing that line. Um, obviously if they're okay with it, you know, then by all means, but I think like there's ways to do horror without that. Um, without ultra violence. Exactly. Without like yeah. stuff like that. Without getting into like more triggering, uh, you know, especially if someone, anyway, that's a whole thing. That's the whole nother right. conversation. But no, I mean, I, I, I agree and it's true, but it's just like, it's, I do enjoy, I enjoy the suspense of things. Like I yeah. like, that's I, what I love about horror. And what's crazy is like Dresden starting to like horror. He's like, your son. <laughs> in, 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 yeah, right. Like he's, he's starting to like horror in like weird ways. Like we were, he's, he's currently the movie. He's currently watching a lot of, he tends to get obsessed with a, like a single movie and he'll want to watch it all the time. Um, as most kids do. Um, but the movie that he's really obsessed with right now is the second Goosebumps movie. The first one's not on Netflix. The second uh, one is. And so he watches that and it doesn't really scare him per se. Um, but it does like like it's spooky enough. But like he he likes it. And he'll turn to me and he's like, it's fun getting scared. Right, daddy? I'm like, you bet it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Fear can be fun. Like healthy fear. You should fear. invite your Uncle Jengis and say that. <laughs> right? But he gets a kick out of it, except the only, oh man, the only thing that was bad is that, so I took him to the Funplex the other day. Yeah. And I was, uh, they had this ride and I still have to, I actually have to write them a letter. I really have to get around to that. Maybe I'll do that tonight or do this weekend, but I, I need to write them a letter because on their website, they show one of their attractions is like a 4D type theater. One of those, one of those rides where you're wearing 3D glasses and you're watching the screen. It's a 3D like uh, interactive movie, but like the chairs that you're in are going to move and do stuff. So like if you're in a car, the whole chairs will bump like you're like, you know, actually you're in the car and they'll like push you forward if you go down a hill. Right. Like, you know, like to make it uh, in the immersion level higher. Yeah. And um Online, if you look at the Funplex's website of East Hanover, you'll see that the picture that they give for this ride looks like a cartoony, like, um, mine car in the middle of, like, a, a like a coal mine type situation and mm-hmm. a bunch of, like, really cartoony, cheesy-looking skeletons, like kid, kid cartoony skeletons that you have to oh. shoot. And I thought, like, this was, like, I was like, this is a great idea. I can't wait to bring Dresden on. I couldn't wait to go on it. We're there. We're in line. Well, what I come to find out is apparently there's multiple scenarios that can be picked. I don't even know if that's one of them, but there are multiple uh, multiple scenarios. And for yeah. some reason, the guy who was running the ride thought it was a great idea to pick like the Resident Evil type. Oh, no. And poor Dresden had to sit there and watch like this really ultra violent, bloody zombie attack constantly while we're all shooting at him and I'm doing my best to laugh and play along and like, you know, mention how fake it is and like tell him, Oh shoot, you're going to get the high score. Good job. And I'm trying to give him a good time. Cause I knew immediately I was like, I'm in trouble. Like this is not going to do like my, my five-year-old should not be seeing these images right now. Yeah. Um, and we got out of there and I made a comment to the guy. I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe the zombies weren't the best choice for a five-year-old. And he sort of like looked like, shocked i don't know if he was shocked that i said something or maybe he just maybe he really just didn't have common sense and didn't realize he picked the wrong scenario Mm -hmm. for a five-year-old to be on 
but I got off and Dresden had tears in his eyes. And he Aww. was like, Daddy, he was like, Daddy, I don't ever want to do that again. Oh, I was like, don't, I was like, don't worry, buddy. We're never, ever going to do it again. I ended up like the rest of the day ended up going swimmingly and he loved it there. We went on the go karts and did other things. But that ride in particular, it like really scared him. Um, so I do think that there's like, especially for kids, but I mean, it's just a good adage for adults too. I think there's like a healthy fear and then a fear that just is maybe just like too much, a fear that can like kind of cross the line. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, obviously for adults, that game doesn't cross the line, but for kids, that's a huge, that, that's, that was just, it was just too much. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have taken them on it had I known that that was even a remote possibility. Um, so that's why I'm sort of like really upset about the whole situation. I think I should write a letter to the funplex, you know? Yeah. All right. Good. Uh, yeah. Uh, hmm. Speaking of we- horror, <laughs> have, have you watched any of the, uh, heavens feel movies? Not yet. Like I said, I have, I, I, I have a means to watch them, but I have yet to do so. Oh man. Uh, some messed up stuff in that second one. Well, yeah, I mean, like Sakura's life is messed up. Like, <laughs> yeah, but like I didn't know, you know, because I'm not, I don't spoil things for myself, Jengis. It's so, it's like part of the VNs. They've been out forever. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I never played the original VN. That original VN was all it was just a glorified sex game, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't play it. I but, only uh, ever watched, but yeah, yeah. I mean. But I mean, I think ultimately they do have a happy ending. Um, but yeah, the that that family, not the best. Um, yeah, you want to talk about horror? All those bugs and the uh, ugh, gross. Ugh. Yeah, bugs are bugs are a good key for horror too. Yeah, that they can you know <laughs> they can give you the they can give you the, the heebie-jeebies. Um, but yeah, that's sort of like my whole thing for 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 playing D and D and adding in horrors. I think. Mm-hmm. I think really it's it's about being, as you said, it's about setting the atmosphere, about being descriptive. And then at the end of the day, really, it's about um, suspense, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, like the thing that in that one shot we referenced earlier, the thing that made the game for you to be, you know, to have have that sort of fear factor was that doll that was in and out there and then not there. And, you oh, know, yeah. the suspense of what that whole situation was and none of you can see it but jengis just visibly shivered um <laughs> as he was thinking about it uh but yeah so yeah i think that can wrap it up yeah that was a good most part yeah i think yeah so. we uh we may have not gotten to any board games recently but that's because jengis and i really need time to sit down and play yeah i mean i've got i've got a couple on the back burner i, re- I recently I, I told jengis i inherited um couriers uh and i inherited a uh another game uh it's like a role discovery magic the gathering mashup game um <laughs> and then for my birthday uh joe gave me i think it's called res arcana maybe it's like an alchemist game you like oh, you play fun. like a an alchemist and you you put it all together oh man hold on side note side before note. we end this is also involves dressing up and sort of this is a bit of a Halloween flavor. So apparently Joe and Crystalline have been going to a new LARP and Ooh. they pulled Phil and Rocco with them. Did you hear about this back at the not. party? I mean, okay. I, I heard briefly, but like I didn't really. Uh, so he, Phil and Rocco attended this. This It was it was this past, like it was a week ago, this past Saturday. And um, a week ago from tomorrow. 
and apparently it was it was great like good enough um rock was telling me all about it and he was saying like uh you know it's called Aurum, uh and it's a steampunk fantasy uh world it's a single day from morning until night like 10 to 10 um and it uh it's all like it's a small it's a smaller larp and they mm-hmm. don't own the campground and they don't even have enough money to rent it out fully. So like Rocket was saying there's a lot of like Boy Scouts that would be walking around and they would just like look over and take it in stride. Like someone they'd be like, All right, it looks like we're not here. This is the uh this is the pirates. <laughs> Called them all. Um but yeah, he said it was actually pretty good. He said it was enjoyable. Uh apparently the the people there are really, really nice. Um, I think you'd like it because there's like that the steampunk war four G. Oh, it's inventy. It's an inventy thing. It's <laughs> sciency and inventy. You can look up the rule book. I was reading it. If I, I'm, I, I think I would like to go and try it out. I think I'm gonna be. I'm gonna use firearms because bullets are just amazing in the game. And I'm <laughs> just want to use a Nerf gun that looks steampunky. Hey. Um, but uh. Yeah, if you read it, like I think I'm gonna be an engineer. They craft, they craft stuff. It's like it's like an artificer for the most part. Um, Phil plays a mercenary. Uh, Rock was playing. I forget what he like. I think it was like a. Um. Oh man, I don't remember. But it's like the mage of the game. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it was really fascinating to like hear about what that was all about. So maybe we should look into it. And if you want to look into it too, we'll put a link for arm down on our links. So anyway, I think that's it. We can round that out from now. Should take one of those four day weekends, come over to my place and we should play some, play some games. For sure. All right. We will. (laughs) All right. Well, cheers. Happy Halloween. Indeed. Happy Halloween. Maybe if we need more, if we want to put out more content this month, maybe we'll do something. Maybe we'll do a one shot again, or maybe who knows? There's no, I'm not going to make any promises, but you never know what you might see, but definitely check out um, for the 31 days of Halloween. There's these articles coming out called, I think it's like ask a geek or something similar to that nature. I put in a bunch of answers. Did you do it at all? Jengis? Did you answer? Okay. So I put in a bunch of answers so you can check out my answers and, and learn all about like some of my favorite scary stuff um, as well as other people from geekade.com. So outside of that, have a wonderful month or two, whatever it's going to take for us to get around to podcasting again, (laughs) Uh, hopefully one month. And uh, as always, uh, you know, click below to email or shout out to us in any way. And we'd be glad to talk about you or answer some questions on the show. Just let us know and have a good month. Yes, I do. If you liked this episode of You Shall Not Pass Go, please subscribe. Our episodes are monthly, and you can find this and many more podcasts on geekade.com. If you'd like to share your opinions about the topics of the episode, or you just want to say hi, email us at ysmpgcast at gmail.com.